0: This is a uh, interview I did about six to eight months ago with a longtime homie, uh, Ruben Torres, for his podcast, which is Connected with Ruben Torres. If you want to check out his podcast, I'll have a link uh, in the show notes, or you can just search Connected with Ruben Torres. This was just such an in-depth, uh, great interview um, that it just, I just was like, I got to put it back out myself. <laughs> so he was totally cool with it. But um, if you dig the podcast, please head over to patreon.com forward slash kj52. That's patreon.com forward slash kj52. You can get the song that I'm going to drop at the end of this podcast along with all kinds of other goodies and stuff like that. And for those that don't know, I have launched a Kickstarter for my brand new documentary, The Jonah Movie. Uh, Just search kj Fauci documentary in kickstarter or i'll also put a link in the show notes for that Uh, this was back in february Uh, there's a bit of background noise because we were in the middle of a hotel but the content was so great i thought it was worth uh listening to so shout out to ruben shout out to you guys for tuning in head over to itunes rate subscribe etc love you guys god bless
1: what up what up here we go another episode connected show we uh we're gonna be joined today by uh, old school homie of mine. Met him back in the 90s. KJ52, world renowned rap artist. Um, you know he's he's been uh he's been consistent throughout his whole entire career, and uh, he happens to be in San Diego. So we're gonna be catching up with him. Um, we're gonna share some old school stories, and uh, and kind of see how the industry's changed for him and uh, what he's up to now. So make sure you tune in. Spread the word. This episode is brought to you by Milton Motion. Always doing big things. Thanks, Tim. Uh, always good looking out um, for everything you do for us and the Love That Neighbor Movement. Also, uh, this episode is also brought to you by the Love That Neighbor Movement. So make sure you uh, you you check out what we're doing. Um, we got a new uh, website. Thanks to uh, to Tim Hernandez, and uh, you know it, it's it's one of those things where. Um, you know, I always hate to uh, to ask for stuff, and now you know since the holiday season, we've been uh, asking for donations and whatnot for uh, for the you know the events that we have going on and and uh, and the projects and whatnot. So um, make sure you hit the donate button, throw a little something our way. We don't care if it's two bucks, five bucks, two hundred bucks, two thousand um, bucks. We're taking it all, and uh, and we're doing some good stuff with it on this side and that side of the border. So um let's go ahead and uh, and make some stuff happen before this wall comes up and we can't do much. Just kidding. Ain't getting political. But anyway, let's uh, let's do this. Let's get into this next episode with my boy KJ52. Let's do this.
2: Get connected,
3: connected, connected. With Ruben Yo, if you're
2: C-O-N-E-C-T-A-D-O, you already know about the show, so let's go. It's your music and lifestyle, fashion profile. The entertainment source for everything you want to know about. North to the south, the east to the west side. Stay connected with Ruben Torres worldwide, so let's go. Across the globe, well respected. feasting on an industry. <laughs> connected.
1: Out here in San Diego with uh, my boy KJ. What's up, man? KJ Five Tweezy. Every
0: twenty years, I come to San Diego and do something with you.
1: <laughs> we're out here at the at the what is it? The Grand Marquis Marriott yeah. downtown San Diego. Yep. And uh, yeah, every every twenty years, I think it is. <laughs> but I don't uh, want to come back in twenty years. <laughs> sixty will be sixty. Let's not let's not talk about numbers. Let's not talk about numbers. Man, so man, um, when you told me you were out here, I just you know I was like, man, I gotta. I gotta catch up. Yeah. Catch up and reminisce. Um, man, I don't even know where to start, man. We go, we go <laughs> way back, man. Since, Very true. Uh, Since what would you say? How? 96. I
0: met you in '96, but uh, I was a fan of POD from afar. They would come and play a spot in Florida called the Refuge, yeah. and uh, I had a good homie from high school that used to come and watch them. And uh, they would talk about just Sonny's boldness on stage, and yeah. he said, "And yeah, there was a rap group opened up for him. Uh, These two guys." rough smoothness
1: <laughs> something like that. something like that <laughs> and
0: uh and uh yeah so I remember just that that early scene of Christian hip-hop and um I was always kind of you know I looked at Cali as like very progressive and very supportive and there was so many things popping off in Cali so I thought if I could ever make it out here I could actually make it
1: and you did you made it out here I
0: did well before I made it out of here I made it to Nashville um I was, uh, I was in Bible College for one whole semester, and uh, I pooled my money and drove to Nashville to try to get a record deal for GMA week. I had cassette, literally cassette yes. tapes that I had dubbed in my dorm. The King no, J Mac. I had to borrow somebody's dorm to dub them. That's how sad I was. And uh, nobody would pay attention. Nobody would listen. It was a little booth. Rescue Records had a sampler, and uh, it was like half, half like punk bands, the other half was rap groups. And nobody was, was doing that. Nobody.
1: Yeah. Pioneers.
0: And i never forget, I walked up to you and you were just super chill, and you took my demo, and uh, I think you invited me up to the room, like, you want to come kick it.
4: Uh-huh.
0: And I don't know if you remember this, but you said something about smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do you remember it, that? I used to smoke cigars, You yeah. smoked cigars, and I was like, yo, man, you shouldn't smoke cigars. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to ruin your witness. <laughs>
1: And what did I say?
0: I just remember looking at your face because it was like you were like you just insulted the A and R guy <laughs> like you just called him to the mat, of <laughs> and I in my head That's I always awesome. felt like you were like mm-hmm. something about that like caught your attention that I didn't care enough about my status to yeah. even though even my misdirected zeal mm-hmm. for like you know my my zeal for the Lord was sometimes misdirected and and trying to be a little bit yeah. too judgmental towards other people. I, chilled out over the
1: years i I was telling tim um on the way here about like when we met but uh i think automatically like when we started talking um like you know your spirit is what what i was like magnetized to. i was like dude you know this dude man you know jonah i was like yeah he's he's just dope you know you were you were uh Working with the youth, youth. Pa- I don't know if you're a youth pastor. yet. Not
0: yet, but, yeah. but I was about to be. Uh, yeah. In a couple of years. Yeah. And I was
1: like, man, this dude's this dude's about it, you know. And, uh, and you know, with I I'd, I'd gotten saved in uh, in '94, um, end of '94, '95-ish. So I was still, you know, kind of fresh. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, I used to smoke cigars and I just used to, <laughs> used do it like that. Oh, I guess I hung up on that. Yeah.
0: But it, in, in hindsight, mm-hmm. I think I almost felt like you. Because I wasn't so I wasn't I wasn't gonna kiss somebody's butt just for the sake of getting a deal. Yeah. And there was something about that, even though I wasn't like a gangster street kid or something like that. I didn't do dirt. I mean, I lived in the hood, but I wasn't that. But I always really got along well with people that did come from that yeah. lifestyle. There was something because maybe just because I always tried to be myself. Yeah. I never put on any fronts, and I always just got along really well with like because. People that have been like really through the ringer, they've really done their dirt, they're very Mm -hmm. real people. They're very upfront, you know where you stand with them Mm -hmm. and they respect authenticity, you know what I mean? And I felt like without really knowing you, I was like, he's gotta be one of those guys because the next thing out of your mouth was like, yeah, if you get on Rescue Records, we'll shave your head and put some (laughs) tattoos on you.
1: That, that was the SoCal culture. <laughs> you,
0: <gotta laughs> you understand, like, I'm coming from Florida, so uh. all Hispanics in Florida like, Caribbean culture. Uh. There's no, like, cholo culture. Uh. There's no, like, lowriders. There's no concept of, like, shaving your head and, like, yeah. looking like something from, like, a a, a, a little homie's. Uh,
1: blood in, blood out. Yeah, these, like, uh. yeah,
0: exactly. Like, I had no comprehension of that. But <clears throat> long story short, um, I remember we stayed in touch, and then I got, I started talking with... Uh, the guy, the owner of Rescue. Noah. Noah. Yeah. And uh, he's like, yeah, at Rescue Records, we let all our artists write their own record deals. I'm like, hey, Pharrell. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we let them write their own record deals. So send over what you want in a record deal. And I remember sending...
1: <laughs> send <laughs> something crazy. I was like,
0: I want 90% of my record yeah. sales, and like, I want to keep all of my masters. and like, It was just dumb. I don't know what yeah. I was thinking. Of course, that never happened. And yeah. then uh, you were like... Yo, man, I think I'm going to end up doing my own thing. Yeah. And uh, right, like we had stayed in touch for the next couple years. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had gone on staff at the church. Me and Golden Child were like an official group.
1: Sons, Sons, Sons of, of Intellect. intellect uh, yeah. And, uh, so you went from King, King J. J. Mac. King J. Mac, that's right. You went from King J. Mac to uh, Sons of Intellect. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you were already KJ5 too.
0: Yes. Yeah. King J. Mac didn't last long, thank uh, God. Here comes my burger praise the lord
1: and all the background noise and all the stuff we are Thank at the man. we're in the lobby here man, that is a can, burger can i get some water some water okay. that, is a, that is a huge burger that is a lot what is that of what are we i, I wish i wish you guys can see this this is what? like
0: two chickens put together two chickens it's with a whole yard of with, chicken with half
1: a pig <laughs> I'm not
0: that's, eating all that. I'm that's crazy to, man. i'm trying to drop some baby weight
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know if you'd probably disappear if you drop some. <laughs> like that. But we are here in the in at the Marriott. Yeah. And uh, we're in the, I don't know what this area is. The lounge out here, and uh, and KJ is just macking on some oh. ridiculous sandwich burger thing. I'm gonna
0: come back with this later.
1: And uh, not mac it, dude. No. So uh. And
0: knock me out for the whole night.
1: So we're we're out here. Um, KJ's in San Diego. Tell me what you're in San Diego for. So, thank you, sir.
0: I find myself doing these corporate events every once in a while. In this case, um, it's called Financial uh, Advisors Excel. So a friend of mine who works there. So I've actually done a bunch of content for them, writing songs, they like year-end wrap-up, wrap-ups, mm-hmm. birthday wraps. I did a graffiti piece for them, probably one of the bigger pieces I've ever done. Little did I know they based <laughs> their entire campaign around this graffiti piece. Yeah. And. Um, so they started coming to me and they basically said hey can you help us kind of plan some of the event we wanted to have like this street party feel we haven't ever done anything like that so we wanted to be like art and hip hop and all this stuff I'm like you're a bunch of financial planners like <laughs> is this really what you want <laughs> they're like yep I couldn't be here for the whole week so I be- ended up hooking them up with propaganda he's doing a spoken word piece uh, hooked them up with my DJ who they locked down for the whole weekend who I yeah, could not use they just jacked it. jacked them yeah. But the main thing I was here to do was their their street party. Um, I sent him a video of me doing an art walk where I was freestyling with people yeah. coming through the art walk and stuff. So essentially, what I just did was a freestyle show, mm-hmm. um, similar to what I've just done for years yeah. and years. But just in that And, sense. and then
1: I just seen uh, the card, right? The key cards here right. at the mar at the Marquee Marriott. Yeah. Crazy. Have your artwork on them. It's crazy. Which is nuts. That's. You have no that's, idea. That's a, that's you have to
0: understand, man. Like, I ran from art because my parents were artists. so me, art represented poverty, <laughs> divorce, <laughs> you know, struggle, never making it. I was like, I jokingly would say to my dad, I'm going to be a lawyer. That was my way of rebelling. <laughs> and um, to now do art for a different purpose, like, even though I'm, I got a long way to go to get better, but, you know, it's, it's just a great way to express yourself.
1: But that's something you've always had. You've always had that element of of art the, the, the graffiti right
0: you know what it was <laughs> hip-hop helped me recontextualize art for me you know what i'm saying so like my dad was a tile painter but i couldn't relate to that even though it was murals and murals are yeah. murals but hip-hop made art dope to me because it was rebellious it was getting your name out there yeah. you know what i mean it was taking something that was never intended to be used as an art thing mm-hmm. spray cans were never intended to be used for art yeah. and they did you know so I just fell in love with that. I love the idea of like making your name look dope. Like I was always bored in class, so I was just trying to do my bubble, bubble name and stuff like that. So
1: and so you own that element of hip hop, and also the rap element. Yeah. Did you DJ and break dance as well? I,
0: I I start. I mean, like I think any kid in the early '80s tried to break dance. <laughs> I break danced. I was like, definitely yeah. Oh yeah. I love you know what. I was probably pop-down. a dancer before I ever was a rapper, but. I was getting into like the kid and play era yeah. and so like choreographed dancing and stuff like that. But yeah, I tried to DJ. I never had the hand skills yeah. when I worked at that church. My, my church bought me turntables. I was pretty terrible.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, you know, every now and then I, I, I go out and I, I check out some of the homies videos. Like, oh, let's see who's doing what. And I seen some of the, some of the videos you, you, uh, you put out and, uh, you did a lot of dancing in your videos. There's several videos where you do a lot of dancing. Tell, tell me about that. What 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 made you switch over to do some of that stuff?
0: just saying something about a good, well put off, well well placed running man, at <laughs> the right time.
1: <laughs> so we're we're uh, we're in an era, man, where, where hip hop just isn't what it used to be. Yes. Um, what's your thoughts on the on the state of hip hop right now?
0: I don't think you can ever hold your hand... Like, hip-hop will never be able You can't just hold it down and go, this is what you have to be forever. It's just always in the state of being recontextualized for the youth because they're always going to reinterpret it for their own generation. So I think you have to be very careful to not go, well, that's not the way it was for me, so it's not good. The reality is that they said the same thing about us when we were Mm -hmm. kids. So, yeah, for me, I had this conversation with my DJ. It was like turntablism and scratching and cutting and mixing and all that stuff was our generation the next generation is what the EDM DJs are doing which is really not DJing but it's how they've recontextualized what DJing is yeah. graffiti art for what it was for my generation has now been recontextualized into what we would call street art or Banksy mm. type stuff or yeah. stenciling it's the next evolution of what people think art is. if I do no. graffiti art people go oh I love Banksy I'm like no it's a totally different thing yeah yeah but and hip-hop, you know, obviously has changed from where in my generation it was about freestyling and, and, you know, originality and, and uniqueness and and lyrics and, and, all, and, lyrics and content. Yeah. And that's still there, but let's be real, that you know, mumble rap is the new thing. God. You know what I'm saying? I wish that would go away. But sometimes we think, oh, that's the worst thing ever, but realize we've always had things like this in rap. I mean, did we forget that you know everybody was putting iggities and biggities in their rhymes, you know, in the early '90s? Yeah, mm-hmm, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, there's always been styles and things that have changed, and the youth will always recontextualize. I mean, if you grew up in '90s golden era hip hop, you looked at the '80s and the '70s rappers as old school and, and played out. Uh-huh. Now, the new generation might look at the '90s as the same thing. I mean, it's uh-huh. always gonna be that way, uh-huh. but. Great music is great music, great songs are great songs, and I think there always will be a desire for content. Yeah. You know, and the same thing with breakdancing. Like, yeah, people still break and that's still a thing, but really, you know, that's even been reinterpreted of what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the evolution of, of what it was and what it's becoming is it's never gonna be what it what it used to but be. The,
0: the funny thing that I did realize though is because I came up in an era where you had to freestyle. Now that i've still stayed with that skill set all these years later it really kind of left me as the last man standing so i can go into freestyle for kids and they are in legitimate awe because i'm nobody does it anymore you know what i'm saying some kids might try but i had to come to a realization that that is not the test of what a dope rapper is anymore but if you can do it it's still like a way to be like oh crap
1: dude's doing it
0: you see what i'm saying so I look at my era or my generation of hip hop as as a beautiful time to come up, but I can't stay stuck in that mindset. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So. Well, let,
1: let's let's take it to the business side of it real quick. Um, you know, we're talking about from back when you were handing out cassette tapes, <laughs> yeah, and and looking for record deals, and yes. then and then you land a record deal with BC.
0: No, Essential Records. Essential. Yes. And then and B-C. you know what? Hold on, let's stop because I never would have got that deal if it wasn't for you.
1: All right. Tell, tell me about that.
0: <laughs> tell you about that. T-
1: tell me about that.
0: Tell about how you did that. So <laughs> you you started Cosa Nostra Records, and oh. that was when me and Golden Child were still a crew. We broke up, and I thought, oh, he's not going to want to mess with me anymore because I was just feeling down about myself. And you're like, no, I keep messing with you. And you sent me some money to go in the studio. Well, it was that money is what became my first demo my first solo album which became the deal that i got a record deal with and you very unselfishly helped pay me you know help pay for that studio time when i was a broke youth pastor making 750 an hour working in the hood and uh well, i don't know if i've ever really said thank you to that you know but i mean that was a big deal and i never signed the deal with you i never signed with cousin no, no but
1: but we 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 talked about that and um, and i was getting more into the video and the film stuff right and uh and and you said, "Hey, man, we need to get some distribution." And that's That was a, where I drew the line. Yes. Yeah, and and I was like, "Man, you know, give me some time because I'm working on this other stuff." Yep. And uh, and you are like, "Hey, well, some op- other opportunities are coming. What if uh, you know I explore some opportunities?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to hold you back."
0: That was very so, unselfish of you. And for the record, I did pay him back. Thank you very much. <laughs> But Do you know remember that when I
1: paid you back? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Sent you the to, money. To to me, I uh, I, I never expected anything out of it. Like to like I said when when we met back in '96, to me, I was like, this dude's heart is is what makes the difference. And and to this day, that's why I've always like just even like reach out every like once a year or whatever it is like. Yo, Yo you know what's up, man? What are you doing? Just you know because your heart of it. I'll, you know I. I usually, am mad
0: at you though. You didn't get me on MTV's The Cut.
1: Yeah, those those the other white kids that, that I got into. Okay. Ruben had a uh,
0: weird affinity uh, for white rappers when I nobody know. was touching white rappers. Right,
1: I'm telling you, man, I could have I could have uh, just blew open the doors with that whole thing. Yeah, uh, talking about Ill Harmonics. Yes. Yeah. And Plato, um, Plato's still one of my favorite MCs.
0: That's awesome. Plato's really yeah. dope, man. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the few guys left from that era Yeah. that's still doing. I mean, granted, we're in two different markets. I feel like he's mainly in the main mainstream. Would you
4: say?
1: Yeah. 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 But, um, and then Dirt was my other white rapper. Uh, you were yeah. like
0: the white rapper whisperer. For
1: uh, man, I should have stayed in that niche, right there. <laughs> I'm telling you. So okay, so then you got these deals. Yes. And uh, and tell me like, what what changed when you got these deals?
0: Well, so the money the money that you gave me, and then the money that this little couple at my church gave me, or went into the studio. To work on my first album, which became Seventh Avenue. But all I really wanted, like going back to what you're talking about, all I really wanted to do was press up my music and give it away. That's mm-hmm. literally all I wanted to do. I wanted to go on the streets because I was working with H- housing project kids, and those kids were basically, you know, they had nothing. Mm-hmm. So you saw my heart, mm-hmm. and so did this, you know, so this couple. And uh, just to contextualize it, like my church was probably 99% black, this couple was an old white couple. Like a retiree couple, and they just believed in the ministry, and um, I took that money and I went in the studio and I ended up spending all the money. <laughs> all the money went to the record, and I'll never forget this because I was like, "All right, you know, I'll get a record deal, and then I'll get my advance, and then I'll I'll be able to give out my music." And I never forget God really like impressing my heart, like you need to be obedient to what I told you to do. In the first place. I'm like, "God, I make seven dollars an hour at this church." How am I gonna afford this? I've spent, I've spent all the money making the record and I sent off the demos to be, I sent off the, the, the single to be made up and uh, within two weeks I got a phone call from Todd Collins from Goatee mm. Records. Yeah. And I had a choice right then because I felt like, man, you know, I got Ruben back in San Diego but he doesn't have any distribution. I don't wanna get hemmed up in a deal where I'm sitting around forever. I'm gonna go for this deal. And Todd kept me hanging for like six months. I finally ended up signing with Essential Records and I had always heard stories of just people just just burning people you know especially in the money department and I got my first advance and I was like I had never gotten that much money in one sitting Uh and the temptation was to like be just keep the money man like Uh you got bigger problems and I was like no Integrity would tell me go pay him back for his investment Uh even though I have no legal obligation to pay him back Uh but I knew that The people that believed in you when you were nothing, you know, those are people that you always stay connected to. Mm You know what I mean? They knew you when you were nobody. They believed in you when nobody else believed in you. I find it interesting that here I am all these years later, 20 years later, I'm back independent, putting out my old record. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we'll (laughs) get to that part. Well, anyway,
0: so yeah, so I got my deal. I hit the road. I got dropped within six months. It was a terrible situation. So I gave it all up, man. Like, I gave it all up to hit the road. And, and within six months, the label's like, we're not, we're dropping you. Why? you know? Why? Why'd you get dropped? Because I didn't sell enough records. They were like, we invested this much. They were owned by a secular company, mainstream company. And they said, you know what? Yeah, it was EMI
1: or something. They were were owned, you, right? Well, they were
0: owned by Jive.
1: Jive. Yeah, right, they right. were owned
0: by Jive Records. And um, it was like the era of Britney Spears and everybody's yeah. selling millions of records yeah. on Jive. And they're like, here's this little white boy he sold 20,000 copies. Yeah. They're like, dump them. And uh, I gave up everything. And within that first year, man, I, I, I had got my car repossessed. Uh, I went, you know, severely in debt from not paying my taxes. I <laughs> got evicted from my apartment almost. Um, got dropped by the label. And uh, and all that money I burned through within six months. Wow. It was crazy. It was a terrible time.
1: Wow. Some dark times and. The-
0: it was very dark. I, I was looked at it as like a a broken experiment. Oh. It was like Nashville was like. Signing all these Christian rappers at the time, yeah. and it was supposed to be like the next wave, and none of it popped.
1: Wow! You know, selling twenty thousand records today. I though, know would be like a success. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's like top of the charts. It'd be like
0: uh, this guy's multi-billion platinum Yeah, yeah, but um, it taught me a lot. It taught me just about how not to spend your money, how not to live in excess. It also taught me that God's calling is not based on whatever your circumstances are and so I had to oh. just push through for a year no labels would sign me nobody in Nashville would sign me They were. I was looked at as a, a busted experiment and it wasn't until Blake Knight from Illharmonics kind of passed along that he was working with Tooth and Nail
1: mm-hmm. yeah because I sold off their contract right to, isn't that uh, funny how that <laughs> ended up happening
4: <laughs> they to would to always
0: yeah. <laughs> they would always be like yeah Brandon rescued us from rescue
4: <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, they weren't even actually on Rescue. Though. I know, right? But, uh, but yeah, he he did, because um, he had offered me a job, um, Brandon. He had offered me a job um, to run that hip hop label. Uh, really, to
0: run Uprock? Up Rock. I didn't Rock, know that. But, yeah,
1: he'd offered me a job, but he wanted me to move up to uh, Seattle, and I was like, You're like uh-uh. Nah, dude, what the heck? Heck no! What the heck's in Seattle, dude? We can. Are you do going to get yeah, street tacos? Can, yeah. So we can do it right here, dude. You know. And, I um, didn't know that. So yeah, so he was just dead set on wanting to do it up in Seattle, and I, I said no and. I said, but I got these guys for you. And I just I sold off that contract to them. And and uh, that's when I just went full. You were done with music the, by then, weren't you? Um, I, I still dabbled here and there. But, um, but uh, I got more involved in the, the film industry and, and, and video. And just jumped into doing that. You know, full blast. And, you know, the rest is history.
0: I always find it hilarious that a Mexican former rapper... <laughs> Was responsible for the careers of Tone uh, to KJ52, uh, No Harmonics, POD. I guess some major connections.
1: That's crazy, right? And to me, I'm like, dude, you know what? Um,
0: you saw things in people that most people never did. Uh, why? Like, I'm curious. You know, why is that? How did? You, what did you see?
1: Uh, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be asking the question. I know, but this is me, you're answering me, my me, childhood me. question. That's 20 years ago. <laughs>
0: Why the heck would you uh, Why would you mess with me? My skills were not No, that great. no, you know what? Like I my said my demo I, wasn't that great.
1: I think it was it was the heart of it, dude. and uh,
0: record labels don't sign people cuz they have good hearts.
1: I, I did. Cuz I, I signed Tone, A, I signed Dirt, I signed you know, I signed the you know, the ones that I felt that you know, I was kind of you know, pushed towards and uh, and I, I think that that was my my part of it. yeah you were you were dope I mean you weren't the dopest but you were dope and are uh, being and, nice and
0: uh, I had no clue what I was doing back then
1: but th- but you were doing the raw the raw element. like uh, what was the other uh, Remnant Militia like those dudes they were raw you know what I'm saying and I love that about it. like they weren't the dopest but they were raw and that's what I dug about them that's what I dug about dirt you know what I'm saying and and I think um, I think. You know, adding the the passion for what you're doing, the love the love for what you're doing, with the raw talent is kind of what I've always seen people. And I love that.
0: So I've always been curious. Did you bring the demo to Rescue and they were like, "No, nah, we're not signing that guy"? Um, when it came to me, or was it just I'm, like they were just trying to figure out what was going on?
1: Yeah, I think um, I I brought it to Rescue. I brought it to Noah, and Noah um, he was kind of thinking he twice. Didn't, he didn't he didn't have any connection to me? No, nah, and and he didn't. Um, He really wasn't understanding the East Coast aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? And so when I brought him Unity Clan, he was like, oh, I get that, you know, because it was Latin, it was low riders, it was, you know what I'm saying? It was
0: San Diego. Yeah,
1: and he understood that aspect of it. And that's why I gravitated, like, Dirt was sounding like, you know, Wu-Tang back in the day, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I I love the East Coast hip-hop, and to me, like, you know, okay, you don't get it, I'll, I'll do something with it, you know? And uh, you know it's just differences or whatever, but uh, but you know I'm sure you're glad that you didn't you didn't sign anything <laughs> back then with that, but but then so then you went to um, to Brandon's label and he kind of blew you up.
0: Well, that was kind of weird because I floated for a year. Mm-hmm. I went to every major label in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I had meetings. Some came out to shows. And um, none of them would bite. They would all be like, "Oh, we want to hear new music," which is just code for "we're not interested." Yeah. But one guy wanted me to do a rap rock thing, which I was even considering. But I just knew I was getting the runaround. And um, out of nowhere, you know, Brandon offered me a non-exclusive record deal, which mm. never happens in the music industry. Yeah. So essentially, I was able to I could sign to him and sign to a whole other label at the same time. So it was I kind of in my head, I was like, you know what? I'll just just float this record deal for now until I get a bigger deal. I'm going to go ahead and sign it. Not knowing that he would do a better job, you know. But you understand, like, I had a very clear-cut plan of what I was going to do on my second album. I I knew exactly the songs I was going to do. I knew the image I was going to project. I was in total revamp rebranding mode. And I brought that to all the Nashville labels, and all the Nashville labels literally were like, well, oh, and Brandon was like, okay. And I said, I said to him, I'm sitting on this song that I wrote to Eminem. And people are kind of freaking out about it. I think it's going to be big. Dear Slim. I had been sitting on it the whole time. And I was like, I think it's going to be a big song. So he was smart enough to be like, all right. You know, he shot a video for it. Again, you know, the first record did 20,000. The second record did over 100,000. Wow. I mean, that's a huge leap. Yeah. So much so that the first label came back and tried to re-sign me. <laughs>
1: wow. Some nerve. Well, Sooner. they ended
0: up putting the same record out again. Wow. Yeah,
1: that's how they do. They revisit mm-hmm. that one. Oh, since now. And that record ended up, hot doing, now. It ended
0: up doing another 70,000 copies. It was wow. crazy. As
1: long as you get paid royalties on it.
0: No, I still have never made a royalty on it. Damn. It's still unrecouped. And for some reason, I still get statements. It makes no sense. But,
1: but you know what? Um, that wasn't your, your first music video.
0: No, I wasn't. No, no, sir. What was your first music video? First music video was 20 years ago. He pointed this out to me. He said, it's funny, we're on the streets of San Diego, and he goes, oh, man, I don't know if you know this, but we shot your music video up the street. (laughs) So the very first music video I shot in 1997 was for Worldwide uh, with uh, cameos by Sonny from P.O.D. I always tell people, like, two seconds, that's Sonny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that, That one right there. Just to walk by? And
0: then this is—I forgot to tell you about the video. So you had this concept in the video that there was going to be this girl, right? And she represented hip hop, and we were running through the video trying to save her.
4: <laughs> it just However, didn't work out <laughs> for the cut. None of that. None happened. of that worked out.
1: It was None just a that. random girl. It was a
0: random girl sitting <laughs> in a bedroom looking depressed, <laughs> right? So I'm telling my wife about this when I come back, who's,
1: and she was upset, like, "What the heck? Why do you have no, this girl?"
0: No, she was my girlfriend at the time, and I, said, and I said, "I said, yo, babe, I shot my first music video. I'm like, check us out." She's like. What's with the girl? I'm like, oh, she uh, represents hip hop. I'm yeah. like, she's just sitting in a bedroom with a swinging lamp. It has nothing to do with it.
1: We tried. We tried. <laughs> but think about it. Dude, this was what, 90? Oh, it was 97, man. 97? To have a video was this? Yeah, 97 crazy. shot on film. Like, dude, that was nuts.
0: Very crazy. And, uh, and the funny thing is, you you were smart enough to do the technique where you shoot the video twice as fast. Yeah and then you try to keep up, yeah, and then you slow, nobody did that, so it makes We're your hand even. motions really yeah. super slow. And then there was just random shots of us in a lowrider.
1: <laughs> <laughs> through the broken glass, through, through the, the broken, broken glass. Window.
0: And then you had the guy that was a break dancer who yeah. was terrible. Random, random. Terri- you said you called him Big Bang Hank because he was flopping around on the ground.
1: Oh, man. The funny thing uh, was
0: that video, like, because you, I think. You but got that a, got you noticed. Oh, it definitely did.
1: And they played the crap out of it on uh,
0: JCTV or Juice G no, 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 Rock. G Rock, that's G-Rock. right.
1: I think they still play it Yeah, and
0: I never forget. Like when we flew, we flew all the way out to here. It was a long flight, and you were like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna you're gonna stay at my boy's Chuck's house. Uh, We've been doing car <laughs> car washes to raise money to get you out of here." <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, "What have I got myself into?"
1: And I didn't mean,
0: I don't know who Chuck was, but it was like, like I knew Chuck and like Ch- Ch- Chuck was, was no joke. Yeah. Like Chuck was no joke, and I'm out here with Golden Child, he's yeah. freaking 16, yeah. he was a snot nosed little 16 year old kid, and um, he 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 was being such a pain that day on the video shoot, yeah. and I had to threaten to was was tell his dad. Yeah. I told yeah. I, was, I was gonna tell your dad, how you acted. and yeah. he just he shaped up right away.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was he was being a little diva. Yeah, time. yeah. But and uh, I
0: remember we shot yeah. hoops in the in the street. And yeah. it was sunny lived across the street, right? Yeah,
1: sunny world. Welcome. The trip, huh? Small world.
0: It's a Very small world, man. I, then, I remember that like and I remember and I remember thinking how crazy it was that you would pay all that money to bring us out and shoot the video as an act of good faith, and <laughs> we still never signed the deal. <laughs> we
1: still, we but,
0: still never signed the deal. Because
1: to me I was like, man, you know, if if we show If we showed them, like, dude, we want to work. Like, we want to do this. Like, just on faith, let's do this. And, uh, you know, to me, I think, you know, in knowing who you were, knowing what you're about, I didn't think that you were going to do us wrong. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, I was like, nah, they know what's up. And then after you met Chuck, you definitely knew, like, okay, I'm not going to mess with these guys.
0: I don't ever think I thought about that. Um, To me, integrity was always really important, Mm -hmm. you know, being a man of your word but I also was like just the one thing I just was like I can't sign a deal if there's no distribution yeah I think you I think we gave you a bunch of CDs yeah we sent out packages Are you, some yeah. dope
1: some dope packages we're it's talking to we're talking to Sony time, we're talking to a bunch of different um, a bunch of different distribution companies but uh, we didn't lock anything down and and uh, I ended up kind of going more into the film side of stuff yeah. and it was what it was But how have record deals changed since since then?
0: There is no record deals like not not the way I got a deal. Yeah, I mean, record labels are really just glorified management companies now, in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And and um, so yeah, I mean, the deals now are what they call three sixty deals, and they take three hundred sixty degrees of your of your um, revenue. They never did that with the deals I got. It was just strictly about making music. But um, I've also realized that. You don't need a label anymore. Like you really don't. Like unless the label and, and there's no artist that's the other thing, is there's no artist development. It's just all labels do is they find a pre existing thing that's doing well yeah. and just try to throw some money behind it. Yeah. And that's just the sad state. And Back somebody, in our
1: time there was artist development. Artist development. They they'd, they'd yeah. polish you up and yep. make you a rock star, yeah. And
0: or shape make you tell you to shave your head and put and tattoos, tattoos on, on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's very yeah. important.
1: That was, our, that was Rescue Records was uh, development. Rescue Records the development.
0: Look, he's like, I'm going to trot you out to some of the cholos. <laughs> I'm going to trot you out to some of the cholos, shave your head, and give you tattoos, and, and, and they'd be like, what do you mean I can't pray to Mary Holmes? Never <laughs> forget you, said about that. Said. you crack me up when you said that. Didn't we,
1: did we go out to some of the um, events out there in, in, uh, at the GMA thing? Think we might we, have, I, think I think we, think we, we probably went did some roll. Of the hip-hop I know we definitely stuff. did but hang. I'm sure because it was like grits were performing, and I don't know what else. Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff going on out there. That's a but very it, different time. But anyway, so now, <clears throat> um, on the business side of it, you you went, you did all these record deals. Yes. You got to a point where, where you were being told you're just you're too old to do this. I ain't
0: well. I don't, know, I don't think anybody specifically said that. Now, granted, some people said that through someone else, mm-hmm. so I have to filter that. But absolutely. Well, the sentiment is that if they're going to sign anybody, they want to sign a new artist. Yeah. And I've been around too long. That I'm definitely not signing a 360 deal. Yeah. I did have lab- label interest, but it just didn't make sense anymore. You know?
1: So now you just put out a record. Yes. Just... What was Literally. it last week? Last Friday. Last yeah. Friday you put out a record.
0: Yes, my first independent record in First independent, crowdfunded. Crowdfunded.
1: And it's on the top of the Billboard charts.
0: <laughs> That's crazy.
1: And t- tell me about that.
0: I mean, uh, yeah. so I, uh, well, uh, I did my last mental album, came out through my manager's label. Uh, since then, we have parted ways, unfortunately... Uh, and, uh, How many
1: albums you got? Like eleven albums? Or something?
0: I don't even know, man.
1: Yeah, you got a ton of if albums. If
0: you count side projects and like you remixes, got the, you got
1: the band.
0: I might, have, I might be around twelve or thirteen, yeah. something like that. But uh, what was the name of your band? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> it's very not important.
1: You it wasn't a even a band,
0: man. It was not a band. You know, Peace of Mind. I did this thing called Peace of Mind. It was a side yeah, project. Peace of mind. It was literally out of anger. I did that mm-hmm. thing out of anger because I got tired of all these rap. I kept getting dissed by the industry, and I'm like. Y'all keep running out of these rock bands. I'm like, I can yeah. go out and do my own rock band yeah. just to say I did it. The whole thing was an was an experiment. Like yeah. there was no band. It was just Pete doing all Pete Stewart doing all the guitar work. Mm. And uh and that was it. And Todd doing the programming. Still sold twenty thousand records. It was hilarious. Anyway, um
1: And then you were also part of DC Talk for a little <laughs> bit, right? I had to throw that in there. You cause. know, the first time that ever happened,
0: I just stood there dumbfounded. Because they went on for 10 minutes, and I'm like, and they're just like, man, I just I appreciate your music, I appreciate everything you've done. And I'm like, you Enough know, my Jesus egos... Yeah. No, 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 they didn't get to that. That's what I'm saying. They said it at the end of the 10 minutes, so my ego just keeps getting inflated. Yeah. And then he goes, man, I just, you know, I've been following you since you, you were in D.C. Talk all these years. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> they're like... That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I just think it's crazy how how you're still relevant. And I'm like. Who do you think I am, man? Like, I thought well, that was an isolated incident, and then it happened again, and then mm-hmm. it happened again, and I thought people just don't pay attention. Uh,
1: Toby Mac, right? They think you're Toby Mac. Is
0: they would think you know. I hate the I hate the stereotype, but it was always in the Deep South. Uh-huh. God bless the Deep South.
1: Yeah, that happens. So, you've been compared to Eminem as well in the right. industry.
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. All the way back in '98. You know,
1: I've, I've heard some tracks, though. There's some similarities. You've done some well, songs, some Eminem-ish.
0: Here's the funny thing, right? So the, the record that you helped fund, mm-hmm. which became 7th Avenue, <clears throat> that record was done independently before mm-hmm. I had a deal. So I did most of it before I got signed. I was trying to create a voice that would be unique. I didn't know. I, that was my problem in Sons of Intellect. I felt like my voice wasn't very unique. So I was trying to create a sound. I never listened to an Eminem record, didn't even know who he was. I did start doing open mics in South Beach, and uh, they were like, oh, you got to check out this Eminem guy. I still never heard his music. My album was done, finished, gets picked up. He comes out before me by a couple months, and then my album drops, and all of a sudden everybody's like, yo, this guy sounds like Slim Shady. I'm like, how would I have this convoluted plan to sound like Eminem if I never even heard his music? But it didn't matter. So by default I became associated with him, and it's probably just because the fact our registers of our tones sat in a higher register nasally you know so it is what it is I don't fight that but it was never an intentional thing if anything I started dumbing down my rhyme schemes to not be like hi Renee toss a live grenade in your driveway and I drive away like I'm purposely not trying to rhyme in that structure never listened to his records but it it, yeah it was a thing that dogged me for years and years and years
1: You're like the Christian Eminem.
0: Well, I realized then is that the same reason why I like Christian rap because it was an alternative to oh. me that I began to fulfill that same thing in people's lives. And so yeah. I was like, it's kind of wrong for me to, f- to shoot that down yeah. if someone goes, you got me off Eminem. To be like, no, I didn't because I don't even sound like him. I'll yeah. just be like, all right, cool. Yeah. You know. And then, of course, it didn't help that I wrote a song to him and that went through yeah. the roof.
1: Yeah. yeah, that that was kind of like took you to a whole nother, another another level I never thought that
0: would go anywhere I mean like uh, it's a 24 bar verse song you know
1: And did he listen to it
0: well that's the thing is uh, uh, because of POD a lot of people don't know this but Dave Sosby was um, POD's road pastor at the yeah. time he was with Sonny mm-hmm. when uh, he saw S- Slim and and uh, went to Sonny and said do you think I should give it to him and Sonny said yeah man go for it nice and it was because of POD he was able to give Eminem my song.
1: Nice. Did you ever hear anything back from
0: him? I mean, he put out a song a couple years ago called Be Careful What You Wish For. And it talks about a fan who had been praying for him and how it had been weighing mm-hmm. on his mind and how, you know, he didn't read every letter he gets. It sounds like it's, it's a response. I don't know if it is. Yeah, you know, I can't yeah. guarantee it, but it sounds like it. I, I did talk to his ex-wife when she was in jail a lot. Mm-hmm. I was able to talk to her through a uh, prison Clush. guard. <clears throat> I've met people that know him i met the guy whose aunt married them he got married wow. in the assemblies of god church in kansas city on the trip so there's always been weird things like that but um no i've never talked to him directly or had any type of correspondence wow uh, if i never did i it wouldn't matter
1: yeah i mean it was still monumental but y- you um uh, you had a couple songs um fan mail yeah where um where there's, you know, there's there's people talking about how your words and your, your music affected their life. Mm-hmm. Um, t- tell me a little bit about that.
0: I mean, basically, you know, I just started getting letters. I mean, kids like, I was suicidal, I put your music on, it stopped me, or I'm still suicidal, or I'm self-injury, I like to cut myself. I just realized there was just a litany of things that kids were going through that I was a blind eye in the church too, you know? so i mean i just write songs that are based on where people are going at or where they're at and that was really all it was yeah. that's what fan mail came from you know it was literally based on real letters yeah. i used actual fans on the, cor- the chorus of course parts
4: was
1: dope
0: um if there's any reason why i'm still able to be around is that the two things i've always tried to do is listen to god and listen to the people
1: yeah.
0: and that's it keeps you a long career you know
1: and i think in listening to the people um. There, there was a lot of demand for you to do a song with Lecrae. Yeah. <laughs> and t- yeah. tell me, tell me about that. And how that came. Well, out.
0: ten years ago, I actually, I met Lecrae before he even really came out. I met him at a youth pastor event, and it's funny. Uh, he pulled me aside and he started grilling me, mm-hmm. and uh, nicely and respectfully, but he was definitely like checking, checking me, and mm-hmm. it was almost like, you know, why are you in it? What are you doing? And, and it kind of had a bit of like tone, like. You're, you're this funny goofy white boy like are you really about ministry and yeah. similar to the way I kinda like checked you mm-hmm. I, respected I Smoke a
1: cigars Holmes. <laughs>
0: I said you wanna <laughs> smoke a cigar look great no I respected the fact that he wasn't like trying to get something out of me or yeah. kiss my butt or anything he was just literally like respectfully checking me
4: yeah.
0: and uh, I passed his music along to my DJ who passed it along to a label and Nothing really came out. And I ran I ran into him again like a couple months later, at another event. And in my head, I thought, "This guy has talent." I wonder if the Christian music industry will ever embrace a southern rapper. Mm-hmm. That was my concern because I was I was so used to this suburban white world that I lived in. I thought it's gonna be really hard for a legitimate black rapper to be embraced mm-hmm. from the south. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, like the industry changed, you know, or they yeah. carved out their own niche. So, the funny thing was, I reached out to him almost right away to do a song and he turned me down. Wow. He's like, I don't want to, he, he turned me down because he felt like if he did it, he was going to do it from the wrong motives. He hmm. felt like he was going to do it because it would help his career and he felt like that was wrong. Which I thought hmm. was really impressive. Yeah, was pretty bold. So I <laughs> circled around like another album later, tried again. This time he wrote a chorus for me. He wrote the, he did that chorus.
1: The, the one for, that you guys did, the Lightning?
0: No, this was before that record. Oh. He wrote a chorus for me because I was struggling with the song and then did not want to be compensated. He didn't want to be credited. He completely gave me the chorus, which became oh. a semi-popular song.
1: Which What song was
0: it? Uh, it's called He Did That. It was based oh. on, uh, you know, this kind of drumline beat and stuff oh. like that. And um, I thought that was really, you know, unique that he would do that. So. Here we are, like three records later. Um, I'll actually, sh- I'll share a story with you I've never shared before. Um, I won for the, Do- I won the Dove Award that year, for like.
1: You won six, right?
0: <laughs> I won six. So one of those is for like, I won a, a remix. I had a remix album, okay, and it won the Dove that year. And I really kind of felt like that was like, not cool. You know yeah. what I mean? And he had a he. I felt like he deserved to win it that year. Like, for me to win for a remix album, and he had, like, a very successful first and second album, I was like, this is not right. The irony was, when I went to get my dove, they gave me a blank one. And they never sent, gave me my real one. And then they never gave me... They never took away the blank one. Then a couple months later, they sent me another blank one. So I ended up winning two doves, and then having two blank doves. Wow. So what I did was... Um, I went to a trophy shop, and I took my two doves, and I put his name on it. On both of them? Mm-hmm. Wow. For the two categories I thought he should have won. So That's awesome. I took them, and I put his record and his single, and I put it on. Maybe it was this one. I don't remember if it was one or two. Anyway, the point was I made it essentially look like how my dove looked, yeah. and I sent it to him, and I said, you should have won this. I can't wow. give you mine, but I think it's not an accident that I got this blank one and um i didn't tell him i was doing it i just got his address i sent it to his house and uh he called me and he was like just like can't believe you did that you know like that's not something we do as rappers we don't like give away our trophies but i felt like you know what man one thing we don't do well in our industry is is uplift each other we're good at being competitive with each other but we don't uplift each other and i said you deserved it more than i did and uh, whether you ever get one or not uh, I want you to know that I believe in you, uh-huh. and I believe in what you do, and you should have this. And we prayed together, and uh, I think that was probably a turning point. I think that's when he uh-huh. kind of realized, like, I wasn't in it, you know. I say, and I told uh-huh. him, too, I said, you made me check my motives years ago of why I'm trying to collaborate. So I want to, in turn, just tell you that I appreciate that because that helped me. So that's where They Like Me came out of. You know, that was essentially then when he was like, okay, let's do a song together. And um, I said, well, if we're going to do something, let's not do the typical Jesus rah-rah song. I said, let's talk about things that nobody wants to talk about. Let's talk about racial issues. And that's where They Like Me came from. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: was was digging the video, too.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so that was a a watershed moment for my career. um, Because in a lot of ways, you know not that things started fading for me because they never faded, but I did notice my sales dipped and, you know, his Mm -hmm. sales were going through the roof and, you know, there was a point in me where I had to kind of go, okay, you know, this is I'm moving into the next phase of my career, which is becoming a longevity artist where it's not about sales. It's just more about legacy and and things like that and maintaining and, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. And so um, that video to this day has the most views of any video I've ever done. Still do it live.
1: that was dope. That was yeah, dope. you know,
0: and the funny thing was it kind of preceded any talk about racial issues in the church. I mean, now you hear it all the time. Christian rappers talk about social issues all the time now. Uh-huh. Nobody was talking about it back then. What? a what, uh, Back then, like it was so long ago.
1: Do, do you think at that point in your career, like, you both needed each other, like he needed you and you needed him? I don't think he
0: it? needed me as much as... <clears throat> a white voice needed to say what was being said, and a black voice needed to be said, and it needed to be said together, you know what I mean? Um, And I don't even know if I necessarily needed him, but I needed his voice. I think that's really what it was. It was a cultural exchange, that's the best way I can explain it. He had to talk about what it was like to be a black male embraced by the white church. I had to talk about what it was like to be a white male living in a black world of either hip-hop or my upbringing and the fit and the struggles that you deal with that so that's where we met and then then literally going we're from two different worlds but we have more in common than we don't you know
1: that's dope man and the
0: funny thing is i don't even know if i would write that type of song anymore i don't think he would write that song anymore Hmm. but it was a moment in time you know
1: is is there any other um like in, within the industry, is there anyone else that you would want to collaborate with that you haven't?
0: Honestly, at this point, probably not. I mean, maybe Toby. We've never really done a song together. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll ever happen. But I mean,
1: uh, weren't you just brought up on stage to do like something? Like that? A couple years
0: ago. Jesus Freak. Or yeah, something. Uh, well, I've done uh, Jesus Freak now with everybody except uh, for Kevin. Uh, <laughs> Toby, ironic, I, was, I do Toby's music camp like uh, every year for like seven years now. So he brought me up in the middle of his performance uh, and he goes, uh, he was like, uh, was, he goes, I thought he wanted me to hype man for him. He just like steps aside and goes, go ahead, do my rap. Uh, uh,
1: he's like, I already heard you do it a million times. Yeah, I see videos all the time popping up everywhere well, of, of I don't you know what, doing that.
0: Right, that but you know what? I'll be honest with you. I think uh, there were always was a bit of, between me and Toby, just a not a weirdness because there was always a great mutual respect. But I, I kind of, I didn't understand his place in the industry until I became similar to his place in the industry. Mm-hmm. So I had said something one time in an interview like, oh, I hope to have a career as long as Toby's you know he's in his mid 40s well he wasn't in his mid 40s when I said that he was still in his early 40s Uh but in my head I'm like oh I'm complimenting you Uh but it's really kind of an insult Uh you know what I'm saying but I didn't understand it as a man Uh in his 30s Uh so now that I'm older I'm going oh dang if some like kid like gave me an extra five years right now Uh I'd be a little irritated with that Uh something about that night I, I went to him and I apologized and I said I totally understand what I did now. How that was kind of wrong, and me being thrown in the mix with Jesus Freak and the Legacy. That doing, you know, the version on Newsboys. He's like, I hope you understand that I have nothing but great admiration and respect for you, and we've always had great conversations. And I just, I just hope you understand that. And um, he goes, Oh man, of course, you know, and and. I don't know. I just, I guess I think now I understand what it's like, not nowhere on the level that he's been through, but I do understand what it's like to be in an industry where they don't understand hip hop and you have to do so much dumbing down, you know, just to survive. The best thing he ever told me is when I just met him, he goes, he goes, I've always tried to play to the entire room. And I thought, huh
1: to a piece of advice
0: and that changed my perspective because I didn't play to the whole room when I was coming up my goal was like to hit the one hip hop head with yeah. these bars
1: yeah. and, and speaking of like the industry as, as a whole yeah um, do did you ever not want to be labeled as a Christian rapper
0: I think maybe in the Sons of Intellect days I don't know if I necessarily ever said don't call me a Christian rapper but we definitely were on some like covert we had some yeah. like weird thing about like we're going to infiltrate the behind enemy lines and like I was all this military stuff I don't think I ever took it as an insult but yeah there was times where I was like maybe a little bit deflective of the label but
1: huh. well you know like when we're doing the POD thing it was right. like well you know the Beastie Boys aren't Buddhist rap or you know Buddhist rock Buddhist rap why, why are you labeling us you know a, a Christian band like we're not you know what I'm saying like it was always that like wait a minute we're doing Something yeah, for everyone.
0: But I would see I would counter that statement by saying it's not like the BC Boys ever rapped about Buddha.
1: That's true.
0: Whereas the content if you, if the content of your music, maybe not all of it is about Christ, but if it is talking about Christ, then that's why people want to label you a Christian rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And were you were you anti no. that though? Like
0: No, I I was just I don't know man, I was just trying to figure it out back then. I yeah. think we we were we were doing all kinds of shows. We were doing straight up church shows, we were doing on the street ministry and we were doing we were opening up for Outcast and we were opening up for Tribe Called Quest and we were opening up for Mob Deep and the biggest of the biggest names back then. So I think I came to a point where I realized like people are just gonna label you whatever they want to label you. Like when we would be in these like weeded out secular environments, it would just be like, Yo, y'all down for that, Jesus ish. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, you want to hit this real quick? I'm like, they don't get it, you know what I mean? And then now I, you know, now if somebody goes, hey, what do you do? What's your job? I tell them Christian rapper. I don't even think twice about it because now I realize it opens up so many opportunities. The car rental I had yesterday. It's like, oh, why are you in town? Oh, I'm here to do this. Oh, okay, what do you do? I'm a Christian rapper. Really? They go, that's cool. They have some nice beats.
1: That's awesome. It's and now you're doing. Uh, she said, "Nice beat." Now you're doing uh, <laughs> corporate stuff. You're doing what? What else did you say you were doing up there? You're doing Man, camp uh, stuff. You know what?
0: I've been doing corporate events for almost twelve years. Like, That's awesome. there used to be this weird, like, forgive the term, pissing contest about uh-huh. like how much secular raps that you know environments uh-huh. you could rap in. And I was like, man, I've been in like mainstream event environments for my whole career. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just I don't just op- I don't open up for Kendrick uh-huh. Lamar. I open uh-huh. up for George Bush.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, that's dope. You know
0: what I'm saying? Thanks. Like, I realize like it's just platforms. That's all yeah. it is.
1: What What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten?
0: Best piece of advice I've gotten.
1: Cause you've been in the industry for a minute.
0: Best piece of advice I've gotten. I don't know if there's one particular piece I can tell you things that I've gleaned. Yeah, some. You know, which is just like things like I mean, just little personal philosophies is like always take care of the people that take care of you, be the first one there and the last one to leave. Um, you know um, listen to the god and listen to the people you know play to the whole room always mm-hmm. perform to the whole room don't perform to a specific group and um <clears throat> stand your face before god i think that's just the things i you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: just i've come away with
1: What's the best piece of advice you would give somebody trying to get into the industry
0: Oh man um well it would be the same thing i was given to me which is essentially approach it like a missionary going off to a foreign country Mm -hmm. Uh so a missionary would want to be fluent in the language a missionary would want to know the culture and the customs and the history a missionary would want to be excellent in the way they disperse their you know what they're trying to say um and a missionary would realize that you have to like spend years getting ready before you go Mm Actually, so, you know, Dax, Dax from LPG back in the day gave me this analogy, and it just always stuck with me. He talked about, you know, when David went to slay Goliath, he took five smooth stones, and we failed to remember that those stones had sat there in the water having all the impurities washed away so they could be used. You know, they were the perfect size and the perfect weight, and all their roughness, <laughs> smooth roughness, uh, had been uh, taken away, and, and he was basically saying, like, you got sometimes you got to sit in the stream for a while. <clears throat> that always stuck I with like me.
1: that. Yeah, I like that. And, and so, would you also recommend, hey, you don't need a label?
0: I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. I think some people do need a label.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, you got to be very much a self-starter and very self-motivated. If you're not, then you, sh- you should not, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's the difference He's saying, do you need a label? We're all going on the same internet. Uh-huh. We're all not making any money off the music because it's all streaming. Mm-hmm. But we all have the opportunity to step up to the plate and hit a home run. That's the big difference now.
1: Mm-hmm. So what, what, what are the ways for income now in, in this day and age with, you know, being a musician, being a rapper, being an artist, what are the streams of income?
0: It's the same It's always. Been. I mean, when I came in, I didn't expect to make any money off my records. I expected it's going to be touring. It's going to be merchandise. It's gonna be label, you know. It's gonna be partnerships with people. It's the same thing.
1: Are you doing? You're doing motivational speaking as well, right? I mean,
0: I always kind of have. I don't yeah. do like, I'm not like Tony Robbins or anything, uh. but I do. I do multiple motivational events. Mm-hmm. But I do music at. It. I don't speak at it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've been speaking for years and years and years. No. Um,
1: Are you still a youth pastor?
0: No, I haven't done that since I put the mic. I turned the mic on. Um, But I do operate in a similar pastor role at at my church. I'm launching a a once-a-month young adults event, but I'm not a pastor there.
1: But you still hold the title pastor?
0: No, I don't. I don't hold the title. Thank God, no. Um, That's a lot
1: of responsibility.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, I've done it before. It's not that. It's just going – a pastor is a shepherd, and if I can't be there because I'm traveling, I can't shepherd. So I don't think I should wear that term. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't take it lightly. I've always, you know – I've always try to be titles and labels have never been my thing
1: uh, well you know we're we're uh, you know we've kind of been full circle on, on the business side of it um how many uh i mean because when, when you do a, a record deal you're putting out an album usually you're you're trying to do a, a you know put a single out do a video um uh, Who's who's? Are you doing any videos now that you're not on a label? Are you, yeah. are you pushing well, stuff on the radio?
0: Well, two things I noticed was, one, <clears throat> nobody listens to the radio anymore. We are our own radio programmers because we have our own playlists, and we don't want to be told what to, li- to listen to. So not that I've neglected radio, but I've also just been like, I'm putting money into things that I know is going to hopefully return. So, uh, yeah, I did a single and I've sent stuff off to the DJs and you know, I still service those areas, but <laughs> Christian Radio is so weird. Like, they're going to play whatever they feel like. Yeah. You can say, oh, this is a single. They're like, nah, we're going to play this song. Yeah, <laughs> and It's just a convoluted formats. But, uh, uh, and, and also I noticed is that you can shoot a music video and people can love it and they only watch the first minute of it.
4: Mm.
0: Like, our attention spans are so yeah. little. Yeah. So I'm like, why am I spending all this money shooting music videos when you don't make any money back on the video? Mm. Nobody buys the song, mm. nobody buys the album. I just dropped a couple thousand. I was like, forget it. I'm gonna shoot one minute videos. Mm. I'm gonna shoot a verse and a chorus for one minute. I can throw that out through all my social media. Mm. It makes you now have to go listen to the song. Mm. It makes you either have to go buy the song and you ain't got the attention span? Cool. Doesn't matter. Uh, I can shoot eight music one minute music videos for the yeah. price of one full length video. On your iPhone. On my iPhone. Just boom, done.
1: Done deal. Done, done deal. Yeah, times don't change, dude. Times have changed. Did we you know we're shooting you know, big old cameras on film, we have to go develop it and go do colorize it. Go do nope. all that stuff, and no, now it's sir. like, oh, I'm nope. pull out my uh, my iPhone and drop it on uh, took Facebook Live.
0: People took photography cameras and turned them uh, into video cameras. It's
1: nuts, man! It's nuts. Times then changed. but no, man. I know uh, we're creeping up on an hour here, yeah. and uh, and it's and it's just late. Man. But uh, man, I want to thank you for your time, man, and, and sharing your your wealth of knowledge that you got in the in the music industry um hopefully we can we can touch base soon and you can share some more stuff but um you know, you've been you've been traveling you're yawning and sorry we're out here in the it's, middle of it's 2 uh, in the morning we're uh, back home it's like a, a lounge there's food and drinks and all kinds of stuff going on over here but um all kinds of madness no no cigar smoking but you know it's it's close but uh but no, thank you for your time, man. appreciate thank you, you man. Uh, carving thank out some time for me to come and do this. Thank you for 20
0: years of Ruben in my life. <laughs> El, El Ruben. I used to look at the back of those magazines and it said, send demos to El Ruben. El Ruben, yeah. El Ruben. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was like, oh, you're El Ruben. Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's funny. It's, I, I I still kind of pick up some of that stuff and like just laugh and reminisce. But
0: well, I, found, I When I was making this al- album, I went back and found going through and finding the old stuff I found all those old magazines That's right. and here's the funny thing I thought was back then if you wanted Christian rap I mean you go your bookstore and get like the ten titles that were out if there was but you had to scour these magazines see these new artists and and send off a check and hope to God the tape would show up and if (laughs) it did (laughs) if it did show up you would be like it may (laughs) suck too you really had no idea and it was very much like a male mail order kind of thing and I thought as I brought 150 CDs to the air to the to the post office to mail them I'm like I can't believe I'm back mailing out Uh, music I'm back mailing now it's just download CDs but I'm just saying like I'm literally back to where I was 20 years prior
1: yeah that's how it was man we used to have to send out cassette tapes and t-shirts in the mail and all that craziness and records CDs the irony is,
0: here I am 20 years later, the first album that's paid for before I ever put it out. Man. That didn't happen before.
1: Uh, well, congrats on your success. Yes, sir. Thank and, you, uh, man. And keep doing it, man. You know, Hopefully, you're still rocking out when you're 60, 70. I hope so. If we're here this.
0: 20 years later doing a podcast, the, I'm, I'm not going to do it with you. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna have to find Chuck. I'm going to come hold you down. <laughs> we'll do it. No, man, but, uh, but appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time. And, uh, you
0: know. and you know what? On a side note, I got $20 in, for freestyle
1: today. Wow, you got a $20 tip for freestyle? Tax free? See? There you go, dude. Freestyle. Rhyme pays word to IC. <laughs> I'm telling you. Rapping on the streets, SD. Well, cool, man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you guys. Um, how how, uh, how can uh, how can we find you on social media?
0: Uh, well, kj52.com has a lot of just you can buy my album there. You can buy the download. Um, I make one hundred percent of the profits on that. But obviously, you can go to iTunes, Spotify, all the new record Jonah is there. Uh, you can follow me at kj52 Instagram. You can follow me at kj52 is my Facebook page. Uh, you can holler me at kj52 is on Twitter. Um, but yeah, KJ52.com actually the best place to start because it's like the one-stop shop for everything. KJ52? KJ52.
1: You hate that, man. Huh? No, man. Like, it's, What the heck just, was I thinking at 20 years
0: old to not spell it out phonetically?
1: Uh, it just worked out. 52. Um, what do you use the most, though, with social media?
0: Um, it's probably split between Instagram and Facebook.
1: Uh, we'll find you there. Well, I'll let you know when this comes out, and um, we'll touch base, man. Good looking out. Appreciate you. KJ5 Tweezy, we out of here. SD, 20 years later. Doing it big. Thanks, brother.
2: The original born-again miracle A worldwide, worldwide international A worldwide, international Intellect, dialect from the spiritual The
3: original born-again miracle A worldwide, worldwide international Longitude and attitude circle the globe Become international to go to child lifestyle So many rhymes and yet I stay versatile Just a street soldier constantly on the prowl Making sure that my clicks stay original. Die for the cause. Too many liars. Wishing on stores, and they still ain't up the pause. Yet yeah, just a fraction, See my reaction. Attack with the fatness. Never ever practice. You need to go home. Your whole crew need practice. You lack this. Yo, son, I trust in the scripture. Open up my mind and insert the picture. Much respect to the Remnant Militia. Poetic, energetic, words are prophetic. Vocal cords are swords. Rhyme behind closed doors. Metaphors are constantly linking up my pores. Blink spiders ink. The way that you think, your crew and your rhyme style have become extinct. Slick like Rick, number one draft pick. MCs make me sick with their alcoholic beverages. Time to grab the microphone and take away their privileges. Worldwide, international,
2: international. Dialect from the spiritual, the original born again miracle, a worldwide, a worldwide international, a worldwide, a worldwide international intellect. Dialect from the spiritual, the original born again miracle, a worldwide, a worldwide international, I span the whole globe. Blow up like Chernobyl, Kick the, the vocal, vocal i be the local Unsocial to those starting rumors You're comin' in and out of style Like shell toes and the pumas Zim be like tumors I got the cure A Jesus gives you more This be the hardcore And I'll down. down for East and West
3: Coast tours Or KJ52 So what you wanna do? My crew came through Turn on its ones and twos And leave your mind confused Just like a Rubik's Cube's A worldwide, a worldwide,
2: worldwide International Intellect dialect from the spiritual The original born again miracle A worldwide, worldwide International A worldwide, worldwide International Intellect dialect from the spiritual The original born again miracle A worldwide, worldwide International my mind reflects back to past memories The days of the mid-seventies Life as a baby was crazy My mind state was ill Until the word of God fell and tells me that I'm loved I feel snubbed by your society That times are straight of cold. I was told that a man died The truth unfolds Before my eyes I realize that the devil's lies Keep my anger bottled up inside I strive, I strive, I try to set myself free With alcohol, females popularity But it can never be The answer to my poverty Came from the one abused Cruise, but still remain true I to myself and in the time help some cease survive away but still I pray hang on for of days cause my old ways have been changed this might be strange to those living on the outside. But still I let it loose. I bring it worldwide. Worldwide. worldwide, international. Intellect, dialect from the spiritual, the original, born again, miracle. A worldwide, worldwide, international. A worldwide, worldwide, international. Intellect, dialect from the spiritual, the original, born again, miracle. A worldwide, worldwide, international.
3: continent. It's like Spanish spending-